So welcome everyone uh, to our podcast. This is The Scale Lab by TechLeap. I am Joe Wilson. I'm here with my co-host, Constantine Von Aranya. And today we have our first guest, actually. Why don't we introduce him, Constantine? Yeah, with us today is um, Taco Carlier, um, who's uh, a, a repeat entrepreneur, but now most famous for creating an incredible biking company. And uh, as the Netherlands prides itself being a biking nation, um, it, was, um, it should be obvious that we should have uh, the most innovative biking company emerging from the Netherlands. So we're very proud to uh, have Taco here and, and uh, try to find out how you can take a traditional product um, that you know we were excelling in in the past, uh, but how can you take it into the 21st century? And um, how do you make it scale? How do you internationalize your business? And so, Taco, as we shared with you, we're trying to deconstruct, in a sense, you and 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 how how this success has come for Van Moof and and, and this, what came before that. So why don't we we start with some of the most obvious things? Why don't you share your background so that we don't uh, misrepresent it? We'll let you introduce yourself and share your background. Like where'd you come from? Your origin story is what we're what we're looking for. Yeah, uh, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, would love to tell a bit of my origin story. Uh, I grew up in in the in the east of the Netherlands. Very uh, creative family. My father was an is um, an entrepreneur uh, who tries to have always in his life tried to combine a creativity with uh, with entrepreneurship. And I've been. Um, fascinated about that in in the, um, from the beginning. Um, went to to uh, Delft University of Technology, studied uh, industrial design engineering. Had a great time. Got kind of lost. All everybody wanted to work uh, for the big companies right then, uh, McKinsey, the big banks. Um, so somehow thought that I wanted the same until I had a, a small course in entrepreneurship. Actually, a friend uh, dragged me into it. And from lesson one, I, I remembered, ah, this is what I what I want to do. This is what I want to be. I want to create uh, companies on the combination of, of creativity and, uh, and, and entrepreneurship. So I think six months later, I started my first company together with my, my brother. Um, we did that for... for 10 years. Um, what was that company about? It's a company called Dutch Band and it's in the event supplies. And in that company, we developed all kinds of machinery for the event industry. It was completely bootstrapped. We started with a thousand euros um, and we developed a machinery to automatically attach uh, wristbands, identification wristbands around the wrists of people. They are used at uh, big musical festivals all over Europe and at, at, at marathons currently. And we developed a, a beer token vending machine. And um, so in a, with your debit card, you can, you can buy um, uh, beer tokens. Machines are still used all over Europe. It's a great story. Like we had developed our first machine. Um, so this was 15 years ago. And we had our first gig. We, we built five machines uh, at the Lowlands Festival. But the, the machines, it were prototypes. <laughs> they didn't work that well. And, and the machines were built to uh, test how the crowd reacted on 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 a machine oh, and doing and, it that way mm, exactly yeah. and it was okay. a big success we had big uh, um, 
rows in front of them, but uh, the machines were not ready. Machine? So they rode <laughs> so in front of the vending machines <laughs> instead of the beer. I exactly. Guess, right? so but that was did, the idea, maybe. So me and my brother uh, um, uh, stepped into this uh, into the machines, and we sit in inside the machines for uh, uh, for four days, twenty four hours a day. Our mother brought us some some food to keep them running, and we succeeded. Nobody found out, and wait, uh, wait. so. <laughs> is this your is this your your MVP? Is basically you you actually sitting in a machine <laughs> pretending it to be automated? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you're actually literally like handing the the coins. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I still remember we had five laptops secondhand because we didn't have any budget. So we, and on the laptops they were in the back of the machines, and then it said uh, twenty two euros tra- transaction succeeded, and then we. Uh, like we dumped, we dumped tw- 20, 22 beer of our uh, it was 11, 11 beer tokens through the machine. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, it worked perfect. And uh, and 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 later we improved perfect. them, and now we have uh, later you actually made the machines exactly. Yeah, yeah, now we have uh, I think 700 and uh, all over Europe of those machines, but um, uh, so we did that for 10 years. And it was really important because in that uh, company, uh, me and my co-founder, who's also my brother, Thies, uh, we learned how to com- um, develop and design complex integrated uh, product design. So how to develop complex products where uh, hardware and software seamlessly work together. So we designed everything ourselves in those machines, the hardware with some innovative patents, uh, the software, and everything worked very well together. So we learned a lot in that company. After 10 years, we hired a, a CEO. Uh, this, was back in, this was back in 2009. And then we started our, our second company, VanBoof. And you could still say that the, uh, the, token, the beer token vending machine is the uh, predecessor of the VanBoof Electrified S3 we have right now. But then the, actually, this what a nice little bridge here to to our first question is: What was then the MVP? If the MVP of the machine was used basically sitting in the back, you know, what was your MVP of your bike? And when did you know you actually did have a product market fit? Yeah, that's that's. Um, so we started with a completely different product at Vermove. We started with an. Um, um, the, the mission always stayed the same. The mission of Vermove was to get the next uh, billion people on bikes, to get as much people on bikes in San Francisco, New York, Paris, London, and Tokyo as we have in our hometown of Amsterdam. So the mission is always the same. The execution changed. So in the beginning, uh, we tried to come up with a minimalistic, uh, durable, um, really affordable, regular bike. Um, it was a bike we designed with integrated lights, and it was very simplistic. Simplistic. I think it was also. Uh, it only cost three ninety nine, uh, three hundred ninety nine euros, and uh, that was the, the 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 product we started with. Um, it did really good in the first three years. We were selling we were selling a lot of bikes, but not in the markets that we are uh, planning to sell them. We were selling lots of bikes in Amsterdam. And we did sell some abroad, but uh, the majority of the bike was sold in Amsterdam and, and, and the rest of the Netherlands. So it didn't do, it did, it did great, but it didn't do um, where we... You didn't uh, achieve your purpose. No, no, the purpose was to get the, the people in New York on bikes. Um, so in this, uh, with this, uh, with this 
you could say prototype with this first product, we learned that uh, a few things. We lear- The first thing we learned is that um, we sold those bikes via bike stores. And we mm. learned that if we really wanted to change the bike industry, if we wanted to um, change it from the inside out, it doesn't work with the traditional stores because they don't want to change. They don't. They they rather they got a model. They got a structure. Yeah, it works for exactly. Them, so, so we had integrated gotta... lights, which which were great because they were indestructible. But the bike shops didn't like that because they had their own stock of standard After lights and sales. they fitted on all bikes and they didn't want uh, a different light on it. So we learned that to. To grow this company big, we had to uh, create our own sales channel. Mm. I think it's the same goes a little bit for Apple. That's also ignited when they started uh, having their own flagship stores. In the beginning, they sold it via different stores uh, that didn't completely understand the the products, the potential. So that's the first thing we learned, uh, selling direct. And the second thing we learned is um, that... Um, I learned that um, uh, on a trip uh, to New York. I was in New York for f- four weeks. I think this is around 2011. Riding my own van move through the to the streets of New York, and I found out that in the summer uh, you can't ride a, you can ride a bicycle in New York, but you can't commute on a bike because yeah. you uh, you'll. Uh, too hot. Yeah, right. it's yeah. too hot. It's too hilly and it's too big. I mean, an average commute, if, if, if you ride from Central Park to Brooklyn, it's already 45 minutes. Mm. So, and that's that's even within the within the city. So, um, and no one said dangerous. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't agree. Let's, let's get yeah, back to that said, later. You said it's safe. Huh? You told me that I before. I think it's safe. Uh, but the same goes for, for Paris, London, uh, San Francisco. The cities are too hilly, too big, and sometimes too warm in the summer to commute on a bike. I mean, there's a reason we mm. commute in Amsterdam and not on bikes and not in, in New York. And then we've, we came up with the idea that electric city bikes could change that. So mm. that was a big uh, change in, in, in 2011. And then we, um, so we, we completely changed the company uh, back then. And the first change was selling direct to consumer. And the, first, the second thing was uh, the plan to create the ultimate uh, electric city bike. So that's what we... Uh, uh, that's what we learned. So in just the to get first. The, the, the the timeline right, you changed the sales channel first, and then you went to sell electric. No, it was like this. So that 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 that's, um, was at the same time. So from okay. we introduced the product in two thousand nine, uh, we it, it went really well, and we uh, like we sold great. But not we we didn't uh, came closer to our to our goals. Mm. And then in two thousand eleven, we me and my brother sat together and said, "Hey, it's great what we've created here, but we need to uh, to go deeper to change some things." Then my brother moved to Taipei in two thousand eleven to. Uh, um, to set up an R&D facility and create the the perfect electric city bike. And I stayed in in Amsterdam to reinvent how bikes are sold, to Mm. set up a direct sales Mm. channel. It took us uh, three to five years to set that up. And then in 2016, we introduced the first electric, Vermoof Electric S1, uh, which we sold direct to consumer. And then the company really started uh, growing and from that moment on we we grew a hundred percent every year were, were you inspired by i mean it seems the story seems very uh, 
a parallel to Tesla or to because there were electric bikes yeah. and they were very boring, a bit like uh, the iPhone. There were uh, mobile phones, but they were maybe boring. Um, but then you came with your bike. Um, were you inspired by some of these examples, or was did, was this your own autonomous kind of development and and maybe your design history that this was kind of apparent to you that it had to be a beautiful bike or? No, we, we were definitely inspired, uh, especially by uh, by Apple and its supply chain. I, I, mm. I can confirm we completely copied the way that Apple produces their products. Mm. Basically, we apply the rules of the consumer electronics production to the bike bike industry, to the bike. So um, just like Apple, we do all the design and engineering in in our own house, both of hard and software, to create that seamless experience between hard and software. Then we outsource the production to different suppliers, but always direct at the source. So Mm. we don't go to OEM suppliers, but always directly to uh, injection molding factories. Uh, We always work uh, in close cooperation and directly with the factories with the original factories then we collect is that uh, a control or a cost issue or what's the no it's controls like control. basically 99% of, of of all bikes in the world are built out of standard components mm. all the components of a Vemove are designed by Vemove that means it started 10 years ago with the frames the uh, mud guards chain guards steering bar that kind of stuff and then the focus moved to batteries electronics um connectivity okay and now the focus is shifting more and more to to software it's a journey uh, that leads to a fully uh, full integrated product when did you know that it was going to take off and it was going to work i mean i mean by the results in the market was there a moment was there a time was there something you did different on the sales because you've described the plans well what was the moment that you knew oh this is working yeah, that was in May 2016 when we uh, introduced the uh, the S1 uh, Electrified, the first electric uh, fan move. There were two beta versions ahead of that in 2014 and 2015, but the uh, the S1 was the first connected e-bike with integrated lock, anti-theft tracking, uh, integrated display, everything. And we had a, a pre-sales com- campaign and I think in um, on on day one we introduced it with friends and family, and it didn't work. And that night I I sat um, together with my brother in a restaurant called Plek in Amsterdam, mm. sit, looking out of the of the of the eye, and uh, it was um, really um, a drop of the wonder. Um, how do you say that? This is drop of the wonder is Dutch. Uh, it was a yeah, go no go moment. Of, yeah. uh, we, we had to do uh, to do. Uh, we had to run a great sales campaign in order to survive, uh-huh. and we didn't do anything in day one. So we really said to each other, and and the next day we would go live to the to, to the public, and yeah, we really said to, tomorrow we have to uh, we have we have to do great. Otherwise, it's just um, yeah, um, it, it, it's just the end of the company. 
And then at nine, nine o'clock in the morning, we went live and we had a big bell in the office for every bike we sold. And um, we opened the campaign and, and uh, the, the bell just kept on ringing and ringing. And I think we sold, sold 300 bikes or 350 that first day. Nowadays, we do, we do that almost daily. But then it was a big, big thing for us. So that was also, um, yeah... From that moment when the bell kept on ringing, uh, we knew, uh, yeah, this we, this is it. This is the right fit. Do you know what what why it didn't succeed in the in your first in the friends and family round or? Yeah, I think the there was just a mistake in the communication. Uh, looking, we 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 looked back <laughs> at it not too long because we uh, we wanted to go on, but I think there was something wrong in the email that uh, friends and family didn't um, uh, uh, didn't read in the message that we uh, that it was just they were one day ahead of the they were give, given the opportunity mm. to buy it one day earlier and therefore be uh, they were in the first yeah, thing you were in an exclusive were club yeah. and they didn't yeah. know it <laughs> no exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what was it about as you put it into the market and you know this what made the bells ring what was the offer what was the way you communicated it that made it I mean, because you know, I could make one and and I could say the wrong things, and no one will buy it. But you must have said the right things. So, what was it about that? Since you were in charge of the sales side, what, what was? How did you present this on the market that it made it take off? Now, it was a revolution because back then mm. e-bikes were for uh, for the elderly people. That uh, yeah. it was already really popular, especially in the Netherlands and some parts of Germany, for people that uh, didn't have enough muscle power any, uh, uh, anymore and still be able to ride a bike. But what um, we found out with this first uh, e-bike was that um, e-bikes are also really helpful for. Um, for people with challenging commutes, um, people in 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 New York and San Francisco that uh, um, that want to commute on their on their on their bikes and 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 have challenging conditions, you can solve that with with e-bikes, and that was pretty new in 2016. I think we were. I, I wouldn't say we were the only ones. I mean, there were some other experience experiments on the on the market, but we were. Um, one of the first with a beautiful designed e-bike that was made for young people um, to to ride around town in in, in modern cities, and it was uh, built to um, uh, to to overcome the challenges that people encounter when riding a bike in in modern cities. So it has uh, it was practically indestructible it uh, had a lot of anti-theft features because bike theft is a, is a big problem uh, especially for a bike of uh, two to three thousand euros so it was designed and built for urban environments and that was really new uh, four or five years ago and you started um, your first rounds of sales was were in the netherlands as well or did you immediately sell it internationally at no, that time? No, it was already at the globe. Like, okay. uh, our company, right from the beginning in, 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 in 2009, um, like we introduced it in the Netherlands in 2009, and I think we were already in the all over the US, Australia, Japan, and all over Europe back in uh, 2010. With we, sales representatives? or No, what, what? Uh, we, in the beginning we worked with uh, distributors, 
Mm-hmm. Also something we learned out didn't work too well. Um, really well to, to ramp up sales. But if you want to create a completely new product and a new brand, um, that's gonna going to hurt you. So um, that we also changed in this time frame between 2011. Um, but um, so we... Yeah, the, the the also the first Electrified in 2016 uh, was sold in uh, our main market. So that's America, Europe, and and Japan. But back then, I think we did 60% in the Netherlands and 40% abroad. Nowadays, it's 85, uh, 15% one five in the Netherlands <coughs> and 85% outside the Netherlands. So you were naturally international. Like you never considered. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you guys never said, "Oh, we got a domestic market. Let's go win this." No, it because was, so many companies here. Yeah, they yeah. just they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna win the Dutch market, and then I'll think about going somewhere else." Right? No, but this company was set up to bring uh, to export the Dutch way of cycling. Okay, and um, so we were never too interested in in the in the Dutch market. We were also always wanted to bring the Dutch cycling culture to to the US, uh, Germany, the UK and France. And that um because it's interesting to see the sequencing of this, you know, because, yeah. uh, also in, normally in our questions we go from product market fit then we look at talent, you know, who did you hire? The next question is, you know, where do you get your capital from and how do you design your your investment strategy or your financing strategy? And then we say going international because it's like a, like you started international international is is buried in your purpose basically it's right? the business plan it's your business plan <laughs> yeah and, and has that made you think differently about the people you hire the capital you you at, uh, attract or and your 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 business strategy because you were already international from day one do you think it would have been different if you would have started from the netherlands and first grown here and uh, yeah 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 definitely i mean uh the the um in in terms of hiring definitely we always try to hire uh, a very international team um, and also my brother moved to uh, uh, to Taipei um, so we always try to set up a company with almost two nationalities I mean basically we are Dutch but we do have a very strong presence an R&D office in uh, in Taipei that's because um and, and we try to combine uh, the skill sets of both companies, of, of both uh, countries. Yeah. So in the, in Dutch, it's it's more about creativity and about cycling knowledge, uh, about marketing. And in, in Taipei, it's, uh, there's a lot and lots of people with uh, great skills in manufacturing, quality control, R&D engineering. Um, so we do the hardware part in, in Taiwan and we do the software part in uh, in the Netherlands. And your sales, your biggest market is now the US? or No, the biggest market right now is Germany. Second biggest Germany. market is, is the US. So we, yeah. we also have a, a sales office in the, in the US. That's mm. true. And, and, and we have flagship stores all over the globe. Um, so... Yeah, it's 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 it was kind of in our DNA. We we never thought about it. It's just we we always had this international uh, international mindset. Mm. But there was a and decision point where you said, or your brother said, "Oh, we're going to open this place in Taipei," and somebody must have been like, "What? 
What are you, really? Because I mean, that's that's not something that happens. Look in the in the manufacturing. I know the manufacturing on the computer side, on the, the components and all that. Like you know where the manufacturing is going to happen because of the cost of labor and everything else. But for you guys, you could have gone with the stay here and quality product margin game. But you said no. We're going to open R and D in Taipei, and we're going to. How did you arrive at that? Because that's, I mean, there's international and there's like, you know, genetically international in a way. The way you got no, there, no, it's kind of automatically. So what happened is that 99% of the of the bicycle industry of 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 all components of all bikes of the globe um, come out of Taiwanese factories or Chinese factories that are owned by the Taiwanese. So if okay. you want to redesign components like we wanted. Uh, you have to go there. So uh, my brother went to 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 Taipei and and um, and, Ta- and and other cities of Taiwan. And yeah, he went there more and more often. And then uh, after uh, um, one year doing that, he said, "Ah, let's let's just um, move there, uh, move there, and and start and and hire some local people." And it was really basic. We we didn't have much money to spend, so we just hired a small apartment. Yeah. And uh, hired uh, an engineer and two local purchase uh, assistants. Um, they're still at the company right now, <laughs> all three of them. And uh, yeah, it's it's um, uh, and and, th- and that kind of um, evolved into the team that we now have there. It's a, and it's a great team, forty-five young people, enthusiastic, fanatic, and and it's great to. Um, that's what what we like to really create a cooperation ship between uh, the Taiwanese and and the Dutch. So not just uh, the Dutch uh, giving orders to Taiwan like we need products and we need them like that. No, it's it's really a cooperation between uh, this these two teams. And that and the only thing that that we do right now is try to stimulate cooperation ship as much as as possible. Is and your brother at a certain point came back, or is he still? No, he's lead, still there. He's still leading yeah. the company mm-hmm. there. Yeah, so yeah. he's. Uh, it's a nice place. It's, it's a Taipei. It's a, it's it's a great a city. Lifestyle. It's a great it's a, country. It's a cool place to yeah. live. Yeah, I have to say, it, to, it's a little bit more complicated because we tried it in Shanghai first oh. for nine months. Um, great place at the, the Dutch design workspace over there. There were a lot of. 40 entrepreneurs in a space provided by the Dutch government uh, tried to set up their businesses. But we found out it was too hard to set up an, an um, SME, small, medium company in, uh, in in China back then. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, the big companies like Unilever and Philips, they had their access point via the embassy to, uh, to their own services. But simple things like, like an internet connection with... Uh, without the Chinese wall, um, were really difficult at that time. So we yeah. moved to uh, to Taipei and found out that that's yeah, this is, it's, it's it's a great place. And, and um, so we would also like to find out a bit about how you hired um, and were there critical hires that were kind of other than you would expect. Maybe you know of uh, sometimes people say you know you have to hire that is hire people that are beyond your current level you're a small company you hire someone who's maybe much more senior have you done have you been very deliberate about who you hire and how has that worked for you as a company no yeah first of all we have a a a difficult company um in terms of hiring because we have 
uh, we do everything. We do uh, product development, we do manufacturing, uh, global uh, operations, uh, like ship the bikes all over the globe, and then uh, web shops all over the globe and stores. So we have all kinds of people. So it's um, it makes it difficult um to f- it's not that we can focus on on two or three things um you know we we have a lot of different skill sets but it must have been someone or some hires that yeah, have one, been really accelerated your your business either yeah, on the big, manufacturing big, uh, or design crucial uh, uh, sorry uh, uh, no, yeah i just there are many areas of course that you can have that uh, yeah but there was one crucial uh guy called dave schumach he joined in 2015 and there were two things. He was very, really international. He was a, he came from New Zealand, um, worked all over the world. So he had a lot of experience with that. And he, he had worked for um, Heineken almost 10 years, I believe. So he had a lot of corporate experience. And he, he, he was someone that changed a lot. He brought structure. He brought, he brought, uh, professionalism what was his role was it in, in yeah officially well he was the cmo the head of marketing mm-hmm. but unofficially some kind of ceo together with uh, my brother and me yeah you're three ceos yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what but what did he i mean he really brought um kind of optimization of processes that kind of thing professionalization did, did you hire him for that purpose or did it just turn out to be that he had these skills too uh, first of all, he almost did hire himself. I mean, I had a, <laughs> I had an, um, an, 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 an interview with the, uh, um, with the CEO uh, together with the CEO of of uh, of, of Heineken um, in the Dutch uh, version of the Financial Times, the Dutch Financial mm-hmm. Times, and um, and he contacted me after that, and he said, oh, "I love what you're doing. I I have to work for you." And I said, oh, we can't pay someone like you." And uh, so we. Um, um, and we, we set something up for that, and and he started working for us. And um, yeah, he 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 brought structure uh, to the to the company. And um, apart from his own role, I mean, he 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 also built the brand from 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 nothing. Um, so that was. You said you 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 created a package. I mean, you don't have to go into too much detail, but but was that. Uh, uh, options or what? What what you you put together to make it to pay yeah, for? Yeah, okay. We we well, just frame it like we there's a lot of people out there who'd love to hire talent that they yeah. can't quite get. You found a way, yeah, so we're trying to unlock to, yeah. a little bit. Like, how can they learn from that? Yeah, there's not much of a secret sauce. We just scraped everything together. Uh, <laughs> some we tried to give them as much salary as 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 we ca- could uh, um, afford. Uh, afford. Then we gave him some some stock and some. Um, Stock rights, yeah. um, ESOPs or, or yeah. SAR. So we try to 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 combine everything uh, to, together in order to to make it possible, and um, and he also uh, uh, stepped a, a, a lot down, be just because he 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 loved uh, uh, the product and 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 the company. So he wanted to to join, and uh, uh, yeah. So that's how we uh, how we try to set it up. 
But there's a lesson in there, I think. But it's a, it's a it's a big issue uh, that you are not able in the Netherlands to give. Uh, uh, it's it's of, you're able, but it's not um, not fiscally easy either. and officially possible to give stock to employees. Yeah. Yeah. And that compared to the US is is a. Uh, I think the same goes for all European countries. Yeah, you know better than uh, than me. But um, no, Germany, France, now Switzerland, and uh, um, Sweden actually UK. Yeah, it's the, the same provisions to make it easier. They're actually now uh, making it easier, fiscally more attractive to give uh, stock options. Yeah, they definitely should yeah. do that. It's uh, it's great that that uh, people who work for big corporates want to join startups, and and uh, but we can't at that moment we 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 couldn't uh, yeah mm. afford the salaries, so uh, they have to create uh, alternatives for that, and stock options are are a great alternative for that. Did he did he automatically fit the kind of startup culture? I mean, he had he seemed to have a, a strong corporate uh, background. Um, how did that work? Because hiring somebody from the corporate world, I mean, I understand you you hire a lot of experience and professionalism. On the other hand, there's also there's a different dynamics. How did that work? And they and I will say they always think that they're going to switch over to a startup or a young company and oh yeah I got this don't worry you know makes sense and then they can fail fast because there is a cultural mismatch depending on the person but yeah you know, that's definitely that's 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 why this this single person Dave is so great because he was able to combine yeah he was able to to uh, to adapt to this situation really fast uh and after him we had a lot of people who were not able to to adapt because it's completely <laughs> different we also have a lot of people that want uh, uh that work for big corporates and they say hey, i i, I want to work a little bit less or um <laughs> uh, i want to do things a little bit more easier let's join uh, uh, a startup and that's a, a big mis- misunderstanding most of the time um so yeah that's that's uh, what's so special about this uh, about Dave? Did um, you know it, or were you lucky? Uh, we were lucky. You're lucky. Yeah, okay. I think uh, we did some experiments before and after that. Um, most like internship people uh, who were working for corporate and, and were just trying a few weeks to work for a company, and, and it never worked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that well, this but also it's yeah, you have to be ready for it as a company. If if I if we would have done it like two or three years earlier, we probably uh, wouldn't have succeeded. So it you were 2015 when Dave came on, and we're going to use Dave as the sort of uh, yeah. example <laughs> of of success stories for this. So you're five years, maybe six years into the business now, and so you're saying like we, you couldn't have done it earlier than that. You wouldn't have been a, wouldn't have been able to handle it, you know, any earlier. So this was the right timing for you. Also, the product was not ready because, and that's, it, it seems like a, a long time. I mean, seven years. Yeah. Um, but this is hardware and, and hardware just takes a lot longer than, than, than software. You don't see that many hardware startups doing great or scaling really fast because it's it's just a bit a bit harder. And for us, it took uh, seven years, eight years to, to reinvent how bikes are made, to... Uh, to renew the supply chain, and uh, so it took us seven years to to get the the product ready for fast acceleration. And then Dave came and built the brand and started the pre-order campaigns, and the, and the company started growing really fast. But uh, yeah, we um, uh, if we would have done that earlier, we would have run in, into big problems. Mm-hmm. 
we ran into big problems. Yeah. But uh, I just assumed it wasn't all easy, right? We, ra- we would would have what, run in, into even bigger problems. What, what big problem did you run into? No, I think it, it's uh, uh, um, so the company has has grown hundred percent per year since 2016. So we went from from two and a half million to. 80 million, almost 80 million uh, in just five years. And in terms, it's uh, in terms of uh, uh, operations, uh, production, um, uh, quality. We we had many issues along the way, and even this year. Uh, um, we we introduced the new S3 in uh, in April uh, right at the beginning of the of the uh, pandemic there was a, a lot of interest for e-bikes because of the pandemic in combination with this new model it 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 tripled our sales but also um it's uh, we had almost 10 times the amount of incoming traffic in at customer support for example so uh we had long waiting times we had some delays in production people had sometimes had to wait for three or four months for their bike uh started calling where's my bike so even more delays at customer support and uh um yeah so we had uh, uh, of course some startup problems with the with the introduction of the new model so it's yeah it was mm. a, a a really tough year and yeah. um those are the, the and then we look a little bit like tesla it's the same they have yeah, with, no, the, it, with it, the model it's, three it's, it's first it's resemblance is yeah it's, it's, it's pretty first obvious it's, uh, <laughs> production uh hell as elon musk had, uh, uh, called it and then it's uh the operation uh troubles how to get the bikes from uh um uh, from the production plants to the to the customers, and and then it's customer support uh, issues, challenges. How to, uh, yeah, service all the the the, the new uh, cars in his case. But in a way, bikes. a lot of these things you're describing are like good problems. You had demand. And so, therefore, you're suffering the problem of demand. And yeah, maybe definitely. you're making mistakes along the way. I'm curious, like, were there any, like, real royal screw-ups that happened in between these two points where you're <laughs> like, oh, shit, I wish we hadn't done that. But we did, and we survived it. How long is this uh, show? <laughs> <laughs> the list goes on? No, we, of course, we, uh, yeah, the, 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 uh, we screw up all the time, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had funny screw-ups like from the early days, 10, 10, 10, uh, um, 10 years ago, we had this beautiful integrated lights, uh, but there was no switch because switch, um, there's a, pub- a possibility that rain gets in. So we had this brilliant idea of a magnet and you can just swipe your magnet to turn the lights on and off. Uh, and it worked great. But then we found out that uh, the magnets were so strong that it... Um, deleted all people's bank cards uh, <laughs> there were still magnets uh, oh uh, stripes on, on it back then and um so <laughs> we had complaints from all the people that uh, um that they couldn't pay anymore if your customers can't pay anymore you have a big problem yeah. so but that yeah we had uh, uh, issues like that uh, all over the uh, yeah all over the 10 years yeah, maybe it's make a switch. Yeah. Um, you said that in your first company you bootstrapped it. Yeah. And uh, and now I mean we of course are all uh, excited by your incredible investment round. So at a certain point you decided to to bring on um, external investors. Can you tell us a bit about what made you decide to 
to to go with venture capital and and how you made your choices in in external funding. Yeah, so so first of all, we also we bootstrapped and moved to uh, the first seven years, but we used the cash flow generated by our first company. Okay. So, um, and this is this was an in, in, uh, important time because um, to do it on your own in this first seven years, because you have the complete freedom to work on your on your product, and you can just take as long as much time as you want. In our case, to optimize um, product development and. Uh, I think it would would have been hard with investors on board. Um, this this I I I doubt if they were <laughs> if there are investors that have so much uh, patience to wait for uh, seven or eight years till uh, the company starts starts growing. Um, but um, uh, so we we bootstrapped the first seven years. Then we got uh, we started with crowdfunding, uh, equity crowdfunding. We raised ten million in the Netherlands with with uh, with crowdfunding. Um, that pause ten million crowdfunding. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty rare. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a nice it's, product. It's it's, yeah. pr- it's pretty yeah. rare. Yeah, and so, and it, and it yeah. went really easy. I mean, we had uh, uh, there's like just the word clear. There's like a thousand entrepreneurs out there right now going. Shit, it was easy, really. Yeah, it was really. But it's more easy, like but pre-sale, right? It's probably was linked to a pre-sale of the no, bike or no? Not? No, it was not. They were linked buying to equity in the company. It was just, just uh, a loan, yeah. so uh, we are uh, that a converts loan. into equity. Okay, and um, that's the advantage of having a direct to consumer sale. You sure. have a direct relationship with your consumers, and we had a lot of. Uh, we have a lot of people that like the product, and uh, we also quite lucky that lots of our customers um, are pretty rich so we just emailed uh, the the customers like hey uh, you can buy some equity in this in this company right now and overnight we raised the maximum of two and a half million the first campaign back in 2017 I believe and then we did uh, another seven and a half million in uh, in 2019 I believe so Most, uh, mostly in the Netherlands or internationally no it was ba- there it was possible for uh, people outside the Netherlands to invest with much harder mm. due to regulations. Okay. So I think 95% of this mm. money comes okay. out of the Netherlands. Yeah, that was uh, that, that's great. Um, and then we did some small uh, f- small first round, could call it seed in 2017 in uh, with the Amsterdam uh, VC. And then in April uh, 2020, so this year, uh, and July this year, we did two big rounds. The first round in April, we round we raised 13 million US dollar, and then in uh, in in um, officially it was August, we raised uh, around 46 million US dollar, and yeah, that was kind of logical. The the because of the introduction of the S3, uh, the company started growing like like crazy, and we just couldn't. Um, um, yeah, we j- we just had to uh, get uh, big money on board. To, and you, uh, and you couldn't go to a bank because you had you have a an underlying asset, right? No, so. we have a small loan with the bank, but this was just growing too fast, mm. and it was uh, it didn't make sense 
back then to to fund that with a bank. And I believe in 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 hybrid hybrid financing. I think it's I think looking back that we uh, chose the right mix between uh, crowdfunding, uh, bank loans, and um, uh, mm, private equity, equity investment. Yeah, equity investment. Easy. If you, if you, uh, and for a software company that has massive opportunities to scale, I probably would have choose for private equity alone because, uh, because uh, yeah, you're able to scale faster. But for us as a hardware company uh, that depend most of the time demands a lot of a lot of cash. Um, I prefer the hybrid way in combining different uh, forms of capital in order to, yeah, remain, um, um, in, in order to be able to keep an, an, uh, a good percentage in the company as a, as a, as a yep. founder. Mm-hmm. So two questions, if you don't mind. One is that you had 30 million, then you did an, another 46 for a total of 76. Easily, many people would say 30 million is a lot, so we should go somewhere with that. You said, no, there's there's more to be had. We should take it. We need more. Uh, why some? Why so much? I mean, I know it's a hardware company, so there's a there's a there's a cost of goods sold on top of this. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so first of all, we we needed a, a lot of money because the opportunities are. Okay. Uh, um, uh, are massive right now. Suddenly, uh, the whole world is discovering the benefits of e-bikes, and um, the market was already growing really fast before uh, COVID. But now it's it's ac- mm. accelerating even faster. Um, we have exactly uh, the right product for that growth. So uh, there are just big opportunities right now. There is a lot of money available on the market. So it's Kind of logical to combine uh, those two. The opportunity. So you you took it because of the opportunity. Definitely, and uh, so that's one thing. And and um, so yeah, we did a a, a, a small quick round in uh, in April um, with an investor that wanted to get on board um, um, really soon. And yeah, and and right after that, because of that's a great name. Uh, in the investment world, uh, yeah. others joined. So that's why we did the second round right after that in uh, in August. Okay, so then my follow-up question, which is, there must have been a moment where you guys were faced with the question, how fast do we want to grow? Because you have manufacturing, you have quality, you have control, you have scale, all these things. Yeah. Uh, but you made a decision. And I think, again, one of my observations on the Dutch market is a lot of people will be overly pragmatic. They'll go a little slower, they take a little longer, they're trying to like protect you know their growth you guys said, "Well, go. We've time to go, and this if it's not now. How did? How did? When was that moment, or how how was that decision made to go say, man, we got to go, and this is it. Take the money and run. Let's go.' <laughs> no, it's not like that. It's it, yeah, it's kind of limit logical. You have this unlimited demand, and you 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 uh, you look at the data and you see uh, orders coming in without." spending much on marketing and therefore you see hey this is we can sell much more um if we just spend a tiny bit more on marketing but then we have the next problem we have to ramp up production yep. we, we doubled production twice this year so yeah oh we need money for that and money is pretty uh pretty cheap right now so you get the money and it's not it's uh, you ha- you don't have to be an einstein for that 
and, so you and, have but, a formula and we, put in X get out and Y actually we, ha- we have to make that d- decision every month we're yeah. in it right now again we uh, again uh, lots of money is offered to to grow even faster so again we have to make the decision is it healthy to double again um, or triple again next year and because uh, is there a recurring model I mean is this, uh, this would be logical for a software company but at a certain point you 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 don't want to dilute further right you don't um because you're selling a bike that's your main income and yeah then, or is it or is it also returning um the, the, there is more and more uh returning revenue as we st- um as we sell our what we call piece of mind services mm-hmm. so if your bike is stolen we'll ah, get yeah. it back for yeah, you yeah. um and we have more plans for that in the future too, in terms of service, in terms of insurance, in terms of extra uh, features in, in, into the app. So we try to, um, yeah, in, improve the the connection with our customers and 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 indeed uh, try to bring it from more from a one-time yeah. sale uh, purchase into a recurring revenue. Uh, our customers also want that, so th- yeah, that's something we we try to uh, to achieve, mm. and and something that investors really love. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So make a little bit of a pivot here uh, in the conversation, if it's okay. I, I want to we want to get you to start maybe offering some advice instead of just telling us about. It. So if you could change one or two things to make it easier to scale from the Netherlands, what would you change? Yeah, that's that, that's a, a great question. So first of all, I'd like to highlight that I think we're doing, it's a unique moment in time. I think for the first time, uh, we have the wind in our back and we're doing actually quite good. If if I look at uh, all the companies that uh, that did great in... in, in um, uh, in the past year, it's it's almost sometimes um, uh, underestimated. I mean, if 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 I speak to foreign investors or, or foreign entrepreneurs, and 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 those guys, yeah, we have ASML. Uh, is, is ASML the English term? Yeah, that's yeah. that's one of the the most uh, the greatest companies of Europe right now, and from such a, a, a um, uh, such a um, sorry. Uh, complexity or yeah in in, in terms of uh, political also political uh, power mm. it's like it's it's such a powerhouse it's mm. it's one of the greatest companies uh, uh, to have uh, in the Netherlands and and we should be really proud of that and all those companies that are that are following right now uh, are Gen Elastic uh, uh, Molly Messagebird um, GitLab um yeah, it's it's it. We're doing, we did really great last year, I believe. Um, but of course, we can we can improve. And um, one of the things I think the Netherlands could improve on is the uh, the venture venture capital infrastructure right now. Um, and it's not that bad if you compare it to the to the German or French system. But if you compare it to the British or American system, mm. that's that's still really a different league, and I think there are not enough initiatives right now 
to uh, to close the gap with, with you mean the, the amount of investment or, or this, you say structure but do you mean like most of the comments we'll get is you know if you want to get a big round you got to go out of the country you got to go somewhere else is that what you're talking about you're yeah talking about if we else? look at the uh, the companies I just mentioned the, that are that did, re- that did really well at the um, uh, last few years then most of them have, have foreign capital okay. and uh, uh, I, I'm not exactly. Uh, I'm not in 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 the in the VC world, so I don't know why it is. Maybe it's because of of the tax incentives that are not uh, great right now in in the Netherlands uh, for VCs, or or or, or that it's uh, mainly a cultural thing. I think it's much better on round uh, C and and D level. But if you look at uh, seed and and um, round A uh, to B level, so investment between one and twenty five million. Um, yeah, it's 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 quite tough in the Netherlands. Mm. But also, do you, you feel that the companies don't get enough support from the investors, or is it just availability of capital, or what? what what's the? Uh, I think it's mainly on the on the on the on the support. Uh, yeah, support and availability. I think that the that the. Uh, uh, a, a lot of the Dutch VCs tend to look at the Dutch market too much mm-hmm. and are not thinking international. And that's weird. I think the companies are... Uh, VCs should push the companies to go abroad, to go international. Yeah. And it seems to be the other way around. That, uh, um, the, the, uh, that the, the, the companies are much more international than the, than the VCs yeah. are. But just let me rephrase it. From your investors... You got foreign investors into your company. What is it that they brought to your company? What do you value most? Um, Except uh, for the capital. Uh, it, it's the, uh, first of all, it's the international mindset. Go big, uh, dream big. Um, uh, that's, a, that's a really important thing. And the second thing is, is relationships. So bringing people in right now, uh, pointing uh, when we when we when we seek for talent, um, uh, yeah, they 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 point us to the to the right people, mm-hmm. and that's that's of great help. And the third is uh, helping us uh, creating creating the strategy. And and you you seem to have mentioned before that you didn't want to lose control at a certain at the early stage of your company. Uh, if you're looking at it now, do you feel that um, the external investors actually? Uh, do reduce your control, or are they actually uh, are they very complementary? No, it doesn't feel like they they uh, that I lose control. I, I they help me getting more control over my company uh, in 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 a certain sense. Um, so definitely no, definitely not. More control being is it the professionalization or is it because they they make you see how big the company can grow? Both. They help me manage the company to mm-hmm. structure it, to uh, professionalize it, uh, to um, um, yeah. They really have my back when things go wrong. So that's a great thing. Um, no, I think that's an important no, insight. It, yeah. Is it because in the Netherlands there is a lot of. Uh, skepticism towards uh, and and well, I wouldn't say fear is a big word but uh, hesitation towards uh, getting an external investor in and um, 
this is actually very useful. Say they, they brought much more than just capital. They brought you uh, this, the bigger, bigger thinking, the structuring of the company, etc. So, yeah, but in general, it is good. Uh, uh, there is a risk that venture capital uh, gets in too early. You need this 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 time in your shed in your basement to work on your on your product, and uh, then when it's when you have the right product market fit and you're ready to scale, then you get capital in um, uh, private equity in to, to, to grow faster. In uh, a sense, you're describing create the fundamentals, create the business that can scale, get it moving, and then you, you're starting to, in a sense, negotiate valuation in a way that you maintain control and you get to pick the partner that you want. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so you feel like you've chosen well because Thank you're getting things out of it. Thank you for summarizing that. Well, I mean, just the way you have like, I think that's that's what you're saying. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, in that sense. Uh, I think we're getting close on time. So a couple of, a couple of last questions. Um, momentum versus precision. No, yeah, that's the that's the exact balance. That's the most difficult thing there is. You don't want to compromise on things like safety, safety, uh, uh, like we're in the mobility industry, so you don't want to bring prototypes on the market too early. So, um, yeah, you have to to be sure it's 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 good enough. On the other hand, you don't you won't want to wait too long. Um, so, if the company that that uh, in hardware, the company that um, uh, that succeeds in this to find the right balance, that's the company that uh, becomes the most successful. Mm. Um, and we see a lot of, yeah, you see in, in everywhere around, you see a lot of uh, um, uh, examples of, of, of uh, hardware companies that, that, that do that wrong, that's, that sit on their products for, for 10, 20 years and then go to market and find out there's no market or the other way around. Um, so that's the hardest part. Mm. And for us, yeah. It's 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 you always looking back. They're always when you introduce new products. They're all they, like we introduce very innovative product. For for example, our anti theft system. That's uh, something that doesn't doesn't exist in the past. That we that the, the bikes have alarm and it you couldn't turn them on when there's no uh, when you didn't have a, a a connection with your smartphone. There were like five six different anti-theft systems in uh, in the bike and yeah we had many startup problems with that and sometimes we had to um uh, yeah uh, um, we had terrible stories like people with a four years ago when we introduced the system with a locked bike that couldn't open their bike all kind of stuff so looking back we uh, we brought that to the market too early, but if if uh, I, I I wouldn't um, I don't I wouldn't have want to miss it because uh, uh, if we didn't had that issues back then we were not able to come up with the product um, that works now th- that works now mm-hmm. and I, I got a letter from a from a customer uh, last weekend that said yeah uh, I'm I'm riding uh, through uh, outside in Amsterdam and I see Vamoose everywhere not being locked to something physical and they're just standing out there there seems to be that you really solved bike theft and then I thought yeah we are almost there because of all the uh, uh, challenges we had in in the past mm-hmm. and that's also maybe that's the the uh, advice you have to create 
challenges for yourself as a company. You have to create issues because if you if you create issues, you can you can solve them and and become uh, better than 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 any competi- competitor. You almost drag yourself forward in a way. You set exactly. the expectation yeah. and you drag yourself into it. Yeah. But that's tough because if, while you're doing that, you you you'll uh, you'll get com- you get complaints and you get uh, people who are not happy and and you have to manage that. So it's it's the hard way. But if you succeed, it brings you uh, yeah. brings you much farther. And in our case, the the um, why I like it is because it it's connected to bringing the world a bit further. I truly believe that Amsterdam is such a great city because of all its cyclists. And that's, I also believe that if we uh, create uh, high quality, high tech, but still affordable e-bikes, we can really get more people on bikes in San Francisco, New York, Paris, and London. So it's it's a lot of challenges, but if we succeed, we can um, change uh, the world a little bit for the better. And That's what drags me through it. That's what gets you through it. On that note, well, that's a nice ending. I think that's yeah, about as good. Yeah, I don't yeah. think we could top that. So. Oh, yeah. Though I like the uh, the hardware, um, kind of the, your the slight software approach to hardware, where you have a beta and you you basically are experimenting and, and improving it as you go along. We don't see that much in in hardware where they could say, "Well, this is not software," you know. And actually, a lot of the lessons that you've applied actually come from also from the software side. So, yeah, definitely. Um, but, but there uh, are so few hardware companies that are that are really successful. I mean, yeah. it's tough to find investors for hardware and 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 i understand that because that's except for the the real top the apple and tesla there are not many hardware companies from the us or europe right now that have uh, uh crossed the gap um there are only a few few examples so it makes it harder but if you s- succeed the the up upside is uh um uh yeah it's higher too So I took a few notes on comments you made along the way. I'm going to read them back to you. Tell me if I got it right, okay? Yeah. One of the things was about starting with a revolution because you felt like that was one of the compelling things that got it going. Controlling your sales channel was a, was a really important move that you guys decided to do. Um, number three was, and I, this is my translation of it, like if you find the talent, find a way to get them. Because you guys must have gone in lots of interesting directions to get uh, David uh, on board, Dave. And, Dave, and yeah. so, like, find a way if it's the right one. Um, and this is more of a translation. The demographics of your customer matter. It's paid off for you in more than one way, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, one was you true. knew how to sell them. The other was when you needed them, they came back. Yeah. Right? And then um, certainly last but not least was this, I, I, I wrote fundamentals equals funding. And in a way, your ability to build the business and control it put you in a position where you could, when it was time to raise money, you could do it your way. Yeah. So it's, uh, that's true. That's what I take away. On that note, I say we we call it. Any final words? The mic is yours. Any final words for all the entrepreneurs out there who are like, oh, I want to be like Taco. Like, no, tell think, me. Uh, like, tell uh, them I'm whatever really, you want to uh, tell them. Uh, proud of my fellow Dutch entrepreneurs right now. I think uh, 
um, we did great in the in the um, in the past uh, years, um, and some great new um, Dutch companies popped up, which all kind of a an 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 overlap in their um, internationality. So they are we have a, we have a really small country, so we have to go out from the beginning. And if I look at Agen, for example, it's I believe it's so successful because it was able in the beginning to provide a payment solution for every country in Europe. And um, and that's why uh, a lot of people liked it because they only have to to go to Agen and then cover they they covered all over the world. So and you see the same with uh, with a company like 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 Messagebird. Uh, so there and also booking.com. So there are a lot of Dutch companies who are thriving uh, thriving because of uh, the fact that we're such a small company. And uh, country Country. Uh, sorry, sorry, country. Because it's a yeah. small country, you, <laughs> you get to, bigger we have, Yeah, we have to go uh, international right away. And, and, and what also helps is that we have a, a, a great amount of very international people uh, in Amsterdam and, and, and some other Dutch cities right now. Um, so we have the potential to, uh, to create a, a, a great startup community. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Scale Lab, a podcast brought to you by Techly. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please share it on your network via social media and give us your feedback. See you on the next episode.